about five years ago, we asked Charlie Munger, we were sitting right there, what he thought of Bitcoin, and he said, rat poison. Uh, back then, it was about $100 plus dollars per Bitcoin. Today, it's $9,000. Is it still rat poison? Well, only rat poison squared. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Now, public service announcement, don't forget to remind your friends and family that one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Now, let's dive in. Today is Saturday, October 1st. It is 9.37 a.m. Griff, it's been three or four weeks, can't remember, since we filmed a show. How have you been, man? And what are some of your thoughts on Bitcoin during that time since we haven't talked a ton? Wow. I guess it's been like about three weeks, brother. I hope you've been doing well. I know we kind of keep up, but this is kind of how we keep up nowadays. So like, hope you've been doing well. Um, Thoughts on Bitcoin. Uh, I've been stacking. I hope everybody else has been stacking. It's under 20,000. My thoughts are that seems like the system itself is more um, at risk than the Bitcoin network. Seems like the Bitcoin network is just fine. Uh, I've noticed that the hash rate was almost at an all-time high throughout the last three weeks. I've noticed the pound is, you know, obviously hit like a 13-year low. So it's like old system, new system, which one's better? And it looks like Bitcoin actually might be more resilient. I understand it has a 60, 60% drop. But if you're in Bitcoin, right, network first, network first, and not the price. As long as the network is the network and it continues to grow, you know, the price will eventually, you know, come along with it. But we in Bitcoin, Nick, do we care very much about, you know, the price of dollars? I mean, like, I'll come along at some point, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts is that Bitcoin's been quite resilient. I mean, honestly, like it's probably been a better asset to hold over the last three months, maybe not the whole year, but over the last couple months, it's kind of bottomed out here, it seems like. Um, and people are really waiting to get in. Uh, I keep hearing from other people, oh, 15, 10. I'm like, yeah, like this again, this is not a financial podcast, but like you can't really predict the price of Bitcoin, like how low it will go. Nobody can actually predict that. Nobody really knows. So if anybody actually tells you that they know, I would probably turn and run. But that are, those are some of my thoughts, Nick. What about you? Man, I think it's been a really interesting past couple of, couple of weeks. Um, I guess more broadly over the past couple months, maybe the past six months, I, I almost feel like Bitcoin is front running everything else, you know, because we know that Bitcoin's a free market. It's not manipulated. And uh, due to that, I, I got to think that um, the market is is well, the market always responds right quicker than some central authority can make changes based on what the market says, because the market has to react, has to respond to what's happening before uh, before you really see the effects of something happening. And I would think that a network that is dictated by the market is probably what is the best, most accurate real-time information. And that is what Bitcoin is. And so I've got a half a mind to think that, man, this like 50%, whatever exactly it is, drawback that we've seen since the $69,000 high six or so months ago, I got to think that that is the correction that is coming in all of the other markets right now. That's kind of a quick thought. Um, but dude, there's a ton of stuff going on in Bitcoin right now. 60% correction is pretty, pretty out there. But to be honest with you, it, it, is 60% really that out there or is it the time frame? What is your time frame on the 60%? 
Because in my opinion, that's kind of what's different about Bitcoin and the other system as well. Outside of the fact that, yes, it's a free market, it's also just smaller. And if you kind of are looking at money now like networks, right? Like if you're looking even at cryptos as money, technically it's just how big of a network can you grow and how many people will believe in this network, right? Like that's what money is. And the dollar has a huge network. That doesn't mean it's not shitty money because it is shitty money, but it's a big shitty money and it's backed by government, which is honestly proving to be a pretty good way to control. It's been a good way to control money. They've been able to successfully achieve like 4% inflation every single year. And people still seem to actually be happy enough to the point where in America, nobody's, I mean, nobody's rioting over the money. Nobody's rushing banks. Nobody's doing any of these revolutionary things yet. So arguably they've been doing just fine. I mean, other countries, they're experiencing those riots and uh, those crashes and some might say that that's coming to us. I think, Nick, you were talking about the dollar milkshake theory. That's kind of it, right? Like where everything is eventually going to trickle back down in the United States or the United States, you know, has its hand in everything. Or what is the definition yeah. or theory behind that? So I, I have to be honest here. I haven't read a ton. I haven't done a ton of research. But the couple of videos that I've watched and in the, in the couple of articles and stuff that I've read, um, essentially what I've found that dollar milkshake theory is that the dollar is the reserve currency. It's the base layer money for the, the world right now. Um, and then you can kind of debate like whether it's, you know, treasuries, whether it's the actual dollar itself, like what is the actual base money? I, I, all that said, the dollar is the foundation. And dollar milkshake theory seems to say that all these other currencies in the rest of the world are, are crumbling, are falling. Well, including the dollar, everything is falling but all the other foreign currencies are falling faster than the dollar. And because they're falling faster than the dollar, people that own assets and wealth in those other foreign currencies are jumping to the dollar and or something that is not crashing as fast as theirs is. Uh, And and in so doing that, a, a lot of value will get pushed and pulled to the dollar. And, um, and therefore, uh, it, it basically turns into a game of last man standing. Whoever the last man standing is, is the one that wins all the chips in the middle of the table. And right, so, so the game is, it's not, the game is not how can I fix the system and how can I make it better for everyone else? How can I, how can I actually help people? It's how can I be the last person to fail? Because I'm the last person to fail, everybody jumps to me and then everybody uses my network, right? You talked about the networks. And so... Or a sense awesome. of durability, like people look for a safe haven, people look for a place to trust. For the most part, like our world is built on trusted parties and trusted systems. And this is what I saw Jack Dorsey talking about is like, we just have to take the old system. It's not bad, right? Like, obviously, a lot of innovation has come out of this system. A lot of really great ideas, uh, arguably a lot of really crappy ideas that got way too much money, um, which is not good for the overall, you know, society. But it's about creating trustless systems across um, all kinds of industries and within all kinds of businesses. Because if you look at Bitcoin, if money can truly be trustless, that might be the most important part about Bitcoin, just because the world is built on trust. And if you know anything about trust, it's like it's really hard to build a relationship with somebody that you can trust in the real world. Just because you don't know the person. I mean, it might be centered around business. It might be centered around uh, a religion, it might be centered around family, it might be centered around anything. 
but trust is hard to come by. And so if you have a world that is actually built on trust and every system is built on one gatekeeper, that's not, we didn't build the right way. And you can kind of see that because there is inequality uh, in the world, let alone just them. There is inequality in America. There's inequality in the world. And I think you're right. Like the dollar in, will be the last because everybody's, con- you know, that's the last one to go, so to speak. Um, I do I do mostly think that, which is why I think that general thoughts, this will be a long crash, everybody. This will be take a long time for this thing to unwind fully. And the United States will actively fight a, um, how do you put it, a transition of monetary power. It's going to, they're not going to go quietly, in my opinion. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of current events going around Russia and things like that. And that d- directly affects money because war is the biggest waste of money and energy that the world can see. So you have to acknowledge that when you're talking about money and can Bitcoin withstand a world war? That would be really interesting to see, like where Bitcoin goes. Um, if the United States chose to fight the world via, you know, going to war. Because if you look yeah. at history, we might be at the point in time where the United States does that. And it's just the historical reference point to all the other times world monetary powers uh, started to fail. And eventually they go to war because if you ruin everybody else, like, you know, if you kick over everybody's sandbox, at least you guys are all going to start again from the same place. And maybe that's like some part of the theory. I don't know. But those are my general thoughts. That was good. I mean, like, that's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, but although me and Nick have not been on the last three weeks, we are on Twitter. Um, and we're kind of revamping the podcast. We took a few weeks away. And we're kind of going to come back at everybody. And we're going to try and engage, obviously, the Twitter sphere. Because we really do love the tweets. Like, that's a lot of the reason why we started to get into the podcast and into Bitcoin. Um, and I know we're going to start doing some tweets of the week, so I'm going to let Nick take it from there and start, you know, ripping some of these funny deals off. You have said it. It is tweets of the week time. You know, here, here's the fun part. So we're going to, we're going to go through a couple of tweets here, several things that we've seen throughout the past, I guess this week, it'll be for the past couple of weeks. Um, and then at the very end of the show, we are going to crown the winner of tweet of the week. Um, and that person gets a special shout out on Twitter. We're going to put the, uh, the clip up there. It should be great, but we have had tons of hilarious clips, interesting clips, uh, shocking uh, clips, or, or sorry, tweets uh, that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. So let's dive into this sucker. Um, we have to start with uh, something that I think is freaking hilarious. Hold on, I gotta pull this, uh, pull this window over here. I think yeah, uh, really I think Bitcoin, like in Twitter, are really synonymous. Like there's a synergy with it. It'll be really interesting to see the types of social media networks that come out of like Bitcoiners, because I know Bitcoiners are also tired of like the censorship and centralization of these platforms. Um, And so that's why sometimes Bitcoiners have the best tweets, because the funniest stuff is always the most out there stuff just for everybody who's listening. The funny stuff is not like, you know, just reposting the same thing for the 1000th time. The funny stuff is people who are really like putting funny videos together um, that you don't even know about on Twitter. Those so this is naive meme. Uh, I think that this video is hilarious. I love it. This is uh, the relationship between Bitcoin and the hodler. Love it. So this is uh, this is naive meme at naive meme with two eyes there. I thought that was a great one. Let's keep diving through here. Uh, another one that we've seen on the show before. 
uh, Hammond of Texas at, at FieldNOS. He says, I accidentally left the, uh, the DXY daily chart open on my computer and forgot. DXY, for you guys that don't know, is the dollar index. He says, an hour later, I glanced over and for a second, I thought Bitcoin had mooned and got that feeling when your favorite girlfriend that dumped you suddenly calls you out of the blue. But it was just a butt dial. <laughs> Love it, dude. These tweets are so good. It, it, and I think that this is such a fun way to react or to interact with Bitcoin because this is right. The network, the network is the people that are involved in it. I think that it's hilarious. I really um, don't know what I would do if I thought Bitcoin went to the moon and I was just like casually looking at it. I'd be like, oh, oh yeah. Wow. Here's another one that I thought uh, was really, really good to see. This is from uh, Preston Syke. Is that how, how do you uh, how do you pronounce this guy's name? I'm going to go with that. Okay. You can't be perfect, brother. We don't know. We don't know. Some of these he says, uh, he's, just, he, he's got a chart here, and it says uh, performance of a few major indices since the COVID bottom. So looking at this chart here, you can see that Bitcoin, uh, if, if you notice the chart, Bitcoin ha- is significantly more growth than all these others. But look at what he says here. So starting from the bottom going up, long long duration bonds down 33% since the COVID bottom. High yield bonds plus 4% uh, since the COVID bottom. Now, we also got to think about inflation here. Plus 4% minus, call it 8.5%. So your still real yield is negative here. Gold uh, plus 7%. Russell 3000 index plus 60%. The NASDAQ plus 62%. Commodities plus a whopping 86%. Uh, I believe commodities being increased in price typically means that uh, you're having currency issues and uh, and less confidence in the currency. So that makes sense. And Bitcoin, none other than beautiful Bitcoin, is plus 201% since the COVID bottom. Isn't that wild? I thought that was a really good one. What, what are your thoughts on that one, Griff? I mean, more or less, since the COVID bottom, a lot of money was printed, as you know. So, I mean, it just means that a lot of more funny money is coming into Bitcoin. I don't really know if I would view that as a good or bad thing since like the COVID bottom, because I don't know how many people, you know, since the COVID bottom, that's like March of 2020. So that's around the time I got in or I got in right before that. Because yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to markets, to be honest with you. So I didn't even really know when bottoms or anything uh, were like at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's very interesting. It's nice that Bitcoin has outpaced the commodities, right? Because that would mean that it's the only uh asset you could have or the only money that's actually like in a sense then outplaced inflation from the jump which then bitcoin is an inflation hedge i mean but it's still funny money it's kind of hard to like decipher because who knows man a lot of that money did flow into powerful hands so maybe that's also what it means maybe it means that really big institutions were able to get a lot of bitcoin since that covid bottom um which would be interesting because not a lot of people know when they really get in. So uh, who knows? But that's yeah. interesting. It's, it's not a bad thing for it to be above everything else. Absolutely. Another great one here is from uh, another podcast that uh, I've actually just re- recently listened to uh, a decent chunk of. Uh, love, love the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast. Uh, but they had a tweet here. It says, the more I understand about markets, which is very, still very little, the more convinced I become that most mistakes are made because people get distracted with overly short time frames, right? This is high time preference. I thought that was, man, that's such a such a great take on it, you know? I think, I think that's, that's, that's I think that's my favorite tweet so far, just because mm-hmm. that's so true about everything. 
but especially Bitcoin and markets and price going up and down because people are so emotional about their money because they watch their 401k way more often than they let on and it's up, it's down. They're just like, and then they want to make decisions based on that overly short time frame. I really like that. It's good that other people are seeing Speaking on uh, a little bit on the networks side of things, I've heard so many people here recently talk about, um, you know, basically it's this idea that people are so used to a central authority, a central bank controlling money that they can't understand and grasp the idea of a decentralized money. And I think it's hilarious that people always say like, oh, what is Bitcoin? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's too complex. It doesn't work. It's too clunky. Okay, so this tweet here is from the Bitcoin conference um, the, uh, at the Bitcoin conf. Uh, go check them out. Um, it is. It says, I'm not interested in Bitcoin. I don't understand it, dot, dot, dot. Okay, explain fiat. Here's a photo of the entire flow chart of how money works in this fiat system. Uh, talk about complicated, right? Uh, the only thing, geez, yeah, that is that is nuts. I think the only thing is, is that, work. you know, well, the less sound money is, you know, the more ways it can be manipulated. And you can see, like, when I see a chart like this, I think of, like, time. I'm like, man, like, when the money started to now. And you can almost see, like, each market popped up because somebody just, you know, they found a different way to play the game. Um, and then the, then the money had to adapt to, these, to the game, which is so interesting. It just kind of means the money's crappy. And it's not backed by anything because if it were Bitcoin, I mean, dude, it's going to be really hard to create, right? Like within Bitcoin, new industries, new markets, uh, because people are going to be really stingy with their money, which is in light, very good, not very bad. That's a very good thing. And it's just look at offshore investors. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like offshore investors. So what, just money that nobody knows about? So how does money that nobody knows about affect the system? I was thinking the other day, like, how can you really even calculate all of these little funny games you see in here with tax breaks and offshore investors and all kinds of other places to invest and loan your money? How does that actually infect, uh, like, affect society and inflation too? Does it affect it? Like, does it have a role to play? Is there, like, is there like ghost money, right, that we're not even factoring in outside of just what was printed? that is affecting the system? What do you think? Like, I don't know, but that chart is like, that's cool. I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty scary for sure. Um, Here's another one that I thought was pretty interesting here from uh, the Bitcoin archive. Everybody knows this page. Um, Bitcoin wallet dormant for 10 years, moved 510 Bitcoin. You know, I think it's, I think another interesting metric is, um, is the amount, uh, is the percentage of Bitcoin that has not moved in X, X amount, you know, months in, in the past or whatever. I think that that's really interesting. I think the most recent one I saw maybe a couple of weeks ago was like 60% or something of Bitcoin hasn't moved in the past, you know, six months or something crazy. Um, you know, uh, let's see here. Let's keep jumping through this deal. Oh, dude, this one was interesting here. So this is uh, from Dan Tapiro uh, at DT. APCAP. Um, he says, um, he says, hey, Novo, uh, whatever that word is, guys teed this up. Seemed too big to me to be just us, i.e. thought it was globally global originally, but debacle uh, in 60-40 portfolio numbers. Uh, 
basically this is the this what this is saying is this is the largest wealth loss in the shortest period of time ever. And so uh, this is a 60-40 portfolio in the S&P 500 and a 10-year treasury. So 60% in the S&P, 40% in a 10-year treasury. And uh, you, can, you can see that these numbers go all the way back to uh, 1928. And so you can see the positive and negative years. Um, so I guess in the shortest amount of time, see, because I'm seeing a 1931 negative uh, 27%. 2022's is negative 20%. So and I'm also, people people need to understand when they look at these charts, do you think people have these like green and red indicators where they only see a few red numbers and they're like, oh, well, then it went up way more than it went down? When it says minus 20%, that means all of the green numbers all added up ever. It doesn't matter. It's always only out of 100 for the red numbers. So it all went down 20%. Just to yeah. clarify for some of the people on the podcast, because that's something I always messed up in my head about statistics for a while. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's just something people don't think about enough. Minus 20% Absolutely. is a very difficult thing to come back from. Just like, yep. I mean, if you go further down, it's more difficult as you go further down. So, Yeah, the negatives have much more weight than the positives, which is a, which is a strange concept. And, and just go look at a couple examples if you want to figure that out. Um, it's really a mind-blowing concept because it's just numbers. You're like, oh, well, the numbers are not the same numbers, you know, Nick? So, it, so here's one from Pomp here, and this is uh, this is kind of what dollar milkshake theory looks like here. Um, and, and I forget, uh, I think that somebody I'd seen another deal that said that this chart actually isn't exactly accurate based on what it was compared to or something like that. But the idea here is that as these foreign currencies are dwindling in relative strength, relative to all the currencies in the world, as these, the Canadian dollar, Australian dollars, euros, British pounds, and Japanese yen, as they dwindle in, in relative strength, that value flows to what is more, more uh, strong relatively, which is the U.S. dollar. So the dollar is seeing basically the flow of liquidity going from these other currencies into the dollar, which creates this kind of artificial strength of the U.S. dollar, which also all at the same time, as interest rates are increasing, the bond yields are increasing, meaning that we as, as America have to pay more in stronger U.S. dollars to other people who hold these, these, uh, these government debts uh, or these government bonds. Um, dude, so strange, very strange. But I thought that was another interesting one. Um, here was one from Bitcoin magazine, just in lawmakers introduced bill to let 401k retirement accounts invest in Bitcoin and crypto. And that was from the block. Um, another one from Bitcoin magazine official German, uh, inflation hits 10.9% highest in 70 years. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, uh, here's, here's one that I love. I think is a great one. Another one from Bitcoin magazine. Um, oh, that's kind of weird. Is that... That's always a good. That's always a good one forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Banks are closed until Monday. Bitcoin's going to be open all weekend. I mean, how, how easy? How easy is that to sell, right? Um, and then uh, something else that I thought was freaking hilarious. I think this one is hilarious. Lit Capital. These are guys that I just recently found. It says the Fed trying to save the economy. <laughs> I think that this is hilarious because it's like it's like okay, we got to get this ball down there, but it's like. We, we just can't figure it out. We just can't figure out how to get this thing done. And uh, they're so desperately uh, at this point shooting the, the bowling ball down the alley. I thought that was hilarious. So those were the contenders for Tweet of the Week. 
Um, we are going to crown the tweet of the week here in the outro. So, Griff, keep your thoughts together. I think uh, you and I may agree on a couple of them uh, as far as final contenders. So, um, or do you want to maybe narrow it down to like three? No, we can just we can just talk. Yeah, we can just sort through it right at the end. We'll do it, um, we'll do it in the outro. Yeah. So, with all of like all of those things, it's really good that our next thing is going to be the market check because it's. Okay, all of these tweets, like, is Twitter really a good place to follow news? Well, I mean, like, let's look at the markets. I mean, you would think that with that news, the markets, the last time we were on, Nick, the markets were rallying. If everybody, it's funny perspective for us. The last time that we were on this podcast at the beginning of September, it seems like the markets were rallying a little bit and everybody was getting a little hopium. And it's like, yep. you guys, in a recession, the markets come back up like 10, 12% sometimes. And then it goes, zoop, right back down. Yeah, yeah. That's been, I think that's been something funny, you know, like you see Bitcoin shoot up yeah. real quick and then shoots down real quick. And you're like, what the hell's going on? You still get FOMO, though, when Bitcoin goes to 24 and you're just like, whoa, oh. whoa, 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 whoa. How to get there that fast? I don't have enough. <laughs> like so quick. Your brain switches so quick. And that's why I've been actually that in and of itself is why I'm buying so much right now, because as soon as it goes to like 23, I get seven text messages, dude. And it's like. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care as much because I've been buying for a little while. But obviously, yeah, when the price goes up, people are going to start FOMOing in. Like, that's what happens. That's why Bitcoin has these huge blow-off tops. Because, yes, at the end of the day, there's only 21 million UTXOs out there to sign your private keys onto the public ledger that will build the new world. So, in and of a, in, in a sense, like, <laughs> it's important, guys. So, anyway, market check, Nick. Market check. So let's look at a couple of these headlines here uh, and then let's dive into uh, some of the numbers here. So uh, why why it's been a bad week on Wall Street. OK, so it seems like there may be something going on. Uh, Brazil's got a, got a presidential election going on. Um, travel companies are paying you to open their apps. OK, that's interesting. Now, another big one here is Nord Stream's explosion was a climate disaster. It says what it signals could be worse. Uh, here's much more expensive average home became over one year. So it, it seems like generally there's kind of a negative sentiment in the market. So let's look at Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, the it, the price is sitting today at $19,323.08 uh, dollar price, right? So don't get it twisted. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, but uh, we do live in a dollar world. Here's Griff, some of that stuff that you can see where Bitcoin shoots way up and then comes right back down to where it was at. So that's uh, September 30th. Uh, that was literally just one day. One day it shoots way up uh, from 19,200 to 20,100 and then right back down. I'm sure you've seen, oh, now that's interesting. Oh my God, Griff, I have never seen this before. I did not know that I could do this on, on the Apple Stocks app. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's incredible. It's amazing okay. when you Anyways. do that something new for the first time. Gotta love that. So, so there's what you gotta love times, Nick. You know what I'm saying? Like that's look important. At, even Bitcoin. Past, you gotta love uh, let's see here. So here's your year. So here's a sixty-nine thousand dollar high, showing sixty-seven there on the average. But man, just look at this long, slow crawl all the way down to where we're at at nineteen today. Um, you know, it's it's pretty wild to see that. Uh, look, there's your past two years. You know, that's probably right around the COVID bottom. Is well, when was that? Either way, it was somewhere right around here. COVID bottom uh, would be early 2020. Yeah, early 2020. Anyways, um, maybe right around there. March, yeah. yeah, it's probably March, I think, was there. Anyways, 
So you can see that. So let's look at the S&P here. The S&P um, is sitting at $3,585.62. Um, let's look back at the one year or the, the two year on that. So you can see the, or let's look at the five. So there's the COVID bottom. You see it run all the way up uh, from, let's see, from there up. It runs up 106%. And then from where it's at, uh, at that bottom, it's fallen down 24%, almost 25%. So, so the S&P is down 25% from its top. Uh, Bitcoin is down 70% from its top. Let's look at yeah, uh, good, the... That's good, just so everybody knows. Good. That's we good, like, yeah. We like um, that. We like at, when you sell your Bitcoin on this podcast. Like if that wallet that moved 500 Bitcoin right Twitter, because Twitter yep. since the last three weeks, look how the price has gone down. People are moving their wallets out of Bitcoin. Guess what? Me and Nick are strong hands. We'll buy the whole thing. Please sell it to us. Please sell us all of your Bitcoin. That's all I would like to say about the Bitcoin price. Sell me all of it. So, I want so all the of NASDAQ, it. so the NASDAQ rises from the COVID bottom up about 136% up to the top. And then from there, it's fallen off 33%. Um, let's look at the Dow Jones. All of these, I think, are going to be pretty similar. So from the Dow Jones bottom, it looks like that top was somewhere around 80, 80 or 90%. Uh, 85 to 90% at the top. And then from there, it's fallen 29 or 20%, I think it was. Now, the VIX, the VIX is an interesting one because the VIX is, uh, is supposed to be, you know, it's, it's known on the streets as the fear index, the volatility index. And when the VIX is high, that means that the sentiment in the market is, is more so bearish and not bullish. Um, we can see over the past year, it's rising to a higher, uh, to a higher uh, uh, rate or uh, not rate, but a higher area than kind of some of these lower spots. Um, over the past two years, it's it's pretty high, right? I mean, comparatively or relatively um, over the past five. Let's look at the past 10. I mean, over the past 10, you see from 20, what is this, 2012, it's pretty low. It's in the, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what the numbers here on this are, but it's in like the, the mid-teens, low-teens, high-teens, hit 20 a couple of times. And uh, now we're sitting right now at 31. So the VIX relatively uh, over the past 10 years is, is a pretty high, high number. Um, looking at oil, uh, oil's coming uh, back up a little bit since, you know, it dropped off big time. It went up high and then dropped off um, here. I know it went up to like 115 at one point a couple months back. It dropped all the way down to $76 a barrel. And now it's sitting back at 79. So that's sitting there. We know that the dollar's relative strength is increasing. Check out this dollar, dude. I don't know exactly what this means right now. Like this is from, this bottom here is from 90, it's $90. Now, again, I'm not, I, I don't know exactly how to read these dollar charts here. So I need to, I need to read up on that. But um, look at this run up in the dollar. I mean, the dollar goes from uh, 90.03 up 24% to you know where it sits today at, at 112.17 so i'm not sure exactly what that means but i know that it's uh i can't it's, i can't I, comment I either i can't uh, comment either you know what i'm saying looking I, at, I, I, uh, I looking at about, the 13 week treasury bill uh these suckers have shot way up which is the yield right which is the yield on uh or the cost and and yield of these bonds is increasing which is tightening this financial situation that we're in so here's the 10-year treasury um, there's your five-year, your 10-year all-time. You can see that this is spiking pretty hard, 
I mean, comparatively, relatively to uh, the rest of, you know, history here, it's still low, historically still low, but is spiking currently. Um, and here's, here's your British pound. Uh, just, just because I saw this pop off the other day, I had to pull it up. Um, pretty interesting there to see an all-time low um, in the great British pound compared to the dollar, which is pretty wild. What do you think, Griff? Let's look at some commodities, eh? Uh, you know what I think. I think the commodity prices will be more interesting than the market prices. I think mar- like the markets, it's um, a highly manipulated environment. So think what you will about that statement. Every chart that Nick just read, I feel like, is relatively manipulated. So it's not really... It's kind of hard to speculate because I don't know. I'm not in the game. I'm not in the chair. I'm not the one that actually calls the shots for anybody within those corporations. So um, I have no idea where those things are going. But as Nick knows, my money is that's not where I put my uh, time. When I go to work, I don't think about putting it in corporations' hands. You know, I don't know. Right now, that's just not what I do. So uh, that's what I think. I think it's hard to trust them. And I think that the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast is right. Charts are very, charts are very hard to read. And I still know very little, so I don't want to share any of my insights on that. I think the world is a long game, not a short game. Uh, if it's a short game for you, unfortunately, that means you like you know died suddenly or you didn't make the right choices. And <laughs> I would not like to die suddenly, but I know that I can make a lot of the right choices. So I won't be around. I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the the markets are strange. You know, um, the markets are. In the short term, it's just so difficult to really understand what's happening and what's causing what. There's just so many factors. It seems like the best thing to do is really just to be able to look back and see, oh, this caused that and that caused this and then this happened and that's where the prices went after that happened. Just to get maybe an idea of like, okay, maybe if this happens, then we can move forward and look at that. Um, But what is the main point of the market check, Griff? The main point of the market check is that me and Nick store our value in a market, so to speak, where one Bitcoin will always only be one Bitcoin. And that is the motto of this podcast. I mean, it has been and it's been since we started it. And honestly, it's what actually has probably kept me sane throughout like this entire year. I mean, you know, somebody who's, I guess, like lost 70 percent of value in the Bitcoin uh, would be more fearful than Nick and I are, except for I've stacked harder this year. And I don't really focus on reading charts. I focus on actually accruing value with my time in the real world. So I divvy some of that to Bitcoin, obviously, and some of that I use for my real life. And uh, I do definitely save in dollars because liquidity is important. So I think all of those things are kind of uh, important to remember. But you don't have to have all your money in a 401k or markets to you know make money with your money. And you also don't have to like know how to read charts to be a wealthy person. Um, that's why I think Nick and I, like, we might not be charts people, but we are investors with our time. We are investors with the way that we think. And so we've actually just basically gravitated towards what is high quality money. Me and Nick like quality and Bitcoin is the highest quality money, so to speak, that you can ever, uh, hope to hope to own. And while the price sometimes doesn't reflect that. I feel very confident in that because I am supporting the money that I want to support. I'm supporting what I believe to be the future of money. Um, And there are a lot of threats out there to this money. So I don't have time to really speculate on a lot of the other markets. I have a lot of time to focus on Bitcoin. And one of the most recent threats, dude, that's going around is these CBDCs. And it is very scary to think that a government who already has 
obviously all these markets that Nick and I just talked about, things that are going up 100% in the span of two years, that's manipulation. That's being able to control what the money is and what money is doing. And so what do you think when central banks that are in cahoots with a centralized government, what are they really going to do with money? Like, what is the extent to which they will go? And I mean, in my opinion, I don't really think there's anywhere they won't go. So I'm not a fan of central bank digital currencies. And I think it's important for Bitcoin podcasts like ours to probably like tell everybody what they are a little bit. Nick, I don't know if you want to give a little broad definition or what you how much you hate them because I know you just had an article read about them. So you're pretty well versed. Um, so the central bank digital currency conversation is a hot one right now. There's a lot of conversations going on about it at the, uh, at the federal level. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very interesting. So a while back, a couple months back, um, president Biden signed, uh, the executive order that basically said, Hey, we want to do some research on digital assets and, that executive order did not put anything into uh, into practice. It didn't set anything in law, nothing like that. It just said these entities go out and do research on these and these things, and they name them all out. And then they say, "Bring back this research and tell us what you find." What you find, and now we're starting to have some of those agencies come back and and present their reports. And uh, now we're seeing uh, people like the the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, make statements about what this could possibly look like. Um, and now it's scary because a central bank digital currency could be designed in a way that could be favorable. It could be designed and copied just as Bitcoin, and they could call it the you know digital dollar central bank digital currency. They could do that, but why would they be incentivized to take their their control away from themselves? They wouldn't be. They're actually incentivized to uh, to take advantage of the efficiencies of a digital currency, right? Because there are innate uh, efficiencies. So take advantage of the efficiencies, but also maintain control. Uh, I got to pull up a tweet here for you. You got to listen to what Jerome Powell says here. This tweet comes from uh, Disclosed TV. Disclosed TV. It says now U.S. central bank digital currencies uh, would not be anonymous. Says. Uh, Federal Reserve Chair Powell. Uh, so listen to this. Uh, listen to this piece here from him. We think that there are four characteristics of if we were to pursue a CBDC, it would at a minimum have the following four characteristics. First is intermediated, intermediated, private, privacy protected. But third is identity verified, and so it's it would not be anonymous. KYC, not be an anonymous bearer instrument. And fourth is transferable or interoperable. So, so we're, we would be looking to balance privacy protection with identity verification, which is which has to be done, of course, in today's traditional banking system as well. So I think I think I understand what he's trying to say. He I think that people on that side of the fence that want to do what's better, I think makes sense to say what he said. But uh, whenever you whenever you expand your perspective and look outside of that, what we're looking now at is that this central bank digital currency that the United States is going to look into is going to be intermediated, like he said, meaning they're going to verify yet that that transaction can happen. So it's going to be intermediated and it's going to be KYC, know your customer more. So they're going to verify your identity for your transactions. 
So it's not going to be anonymous and it is still going to be. Controlled. I just, yes. It I just have to add though. I just have to add all of that is correct. But what I see underneath it here is somebody who I don't understand code um, super well, but I also do understand enough that cryptography and Bitcoin, one of the great things about it is how transparent and um, actually not anonymous. It truly really is. Obviously it's hard to understand like where the wallets are currently, but it's actually not very anonymous. It's very open source. It's very like, you know, exact everything. So everything he's kind of saying is slander against um, something that's completely transparent. Do you know what's not transparent? A central bank digital currency in which it's not the fact that it's not anonymous. That doesn't bother me. It's that they're the only ones that know everybody. Everybody else can't verify everybody. That's the problem. They're the only ones that can verify anybody. They're the only ones that can stop anybody or start anybody to do or, you know, like open an account or close account. That's crazy. That's that can't happen. And it also points to the fact that how many of them will there be? Jerome Powell, Mr. Money Printer. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, like what they do with it. At the end of the day, I don't really think it's going to get picked. And I think that private money and Bitcoin will absolutely outpace the innovation of like a Federal Reserve Central Bank digital currency. The only advantage they have is obviously what Nick showed you is that the dollar will gain strength for a while against other currencies. And some might say that eventually uh, the world will see like three currencies and it'll be easy for the Federal Reserve to pivot that into, hey, it's just on your phone now, guys. Do you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's all it's, it's all an interesting future that we're not too far away from because iPhone and Apple and how big they're getting and where things are going. Like it's all very possible. But I just wanted to interject that like, Dude, Bitcoin is extremely transparent. It's extremely like not really anonymous in that sense. I, people on people on crypto are like Bitcoin's not anonymous enough. So Jerome Powell's completely off the mark. And if anybody would see right through his words, it's like this guy has no intention of building you guys a better money. He has all the intention of just keeping all of it for himself and making all the decisions within this little group. And they're just trying to, I don't know, dude. Like they're just trying to like disguise it or just like dress it up you, in a different manner. You know what I think is funny is okay, have you seen have you seen much about this uh this this lady, I forget exactly what her name is, like uh Mel Melanie something. Anyways, it's the the new Italian uh prime minister that got elected or something, I guess. Have you seen the speech that she did? <clears throat> Dude is killer. And one of the things she talked about was that um she had she had quoted a, an author or something from back in the day and the, the idea, the sentiment behind it, paraphrased, was um, basically people are going to be getting together and fighting over something as stupid and as simple and logical and reasonable as <clears throat> leaves are green. You know, well, you, people are going to argue about this all day. Oh, leaves are, you know, different, different times of year, whatever. This is, this is what it makes me think of. Uh, here's another tweet um, that I will say is an honorable mention. Um, it's not a Bitcoiner tweet. It is from... Uh, TikTok investors, um, and it says, "Let's start a podcast, bro." And uh, and I think that this is hilarious. This is this is where we're at. This is where we're at with money. People are so disoriented because of what's happened over the past 51, 52 years that that these types of conversations are being had about money, and they're real. Listen to this: If you add three plus one, you get four. Correct. But if you subtract five from one, you get minus four. Correct. And if you put four 
and minus four together, you get zero. And Correct. if you add four to the zero, you get four again. <laughs> Correct. Isn't that concerning? Isn't that concerning? <laughs> this guy's like, what the hell? That's literally where we're at, Griff. This is the truth. Isn't that concerning? Like, what do you mean Bitcoin is decentralized and nobody controls it? Isn't that concerning to you? Uh, you, you mean the other way around, brother? You don't want people controlling money because then we run into artificial market issues like we're running into right now. And I thought that that video was funny. And I thought that it really puts it into perspective of how dumb some of this stuff really is. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you have to really think about it's hard for people to get on board with Bitcoin because, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, the finality of it is that a market will decide what is important and what is not. And people are afraid of that because people want to seem seemingly it seems like, you know, with the CBDCs and the government, and the way things have gone over the past two years with COVID, people are very interested in like governing one another instead of just letting money and markets and what people do with their time, like just decide it. Um, which is actually pretty scary. So I don't know with the CBDC, I think people need to also understand it's like, you're not gonna be able to do what you want with your money. You know, there's going to be direction. It's very easy for them to direct that and funnel that to where they want. Um, and with Bitcoin, while some industries might fail, you have to accept that there are industries out there like pod, some, some podcasts and, you know, that it might be like there are certain industries out there right now that probably just need to burn, crash and never be seen again. Because Bitcoin, there is only 21 million. And so you have to think to get to that future of sound money, it all has to be ratioed, but not even ratioed to the point where every industry comes in. Some just got to go, man. And that podcast was super funny because Funny Money has created, you know, a lot of podcasts. And just for clarity, Nick and I started this podcast and continue to still do it for free or we just enjoy talking to each other on Saturdays. So I don't really throw us in the category of trying to make money on a podcast, but people are really out there and like, that's what they're trying to do with their money. And in my opinion, um, you know, talented people are really wasting the world's time with needless content. And I think it's mostly because of that funny money. Um, although I don't know in a CBDC world, if they're going to try to funnel money and direct it differently or how they would try to do that. Um, but I know that it would be a central group doing it, and I would rather the market decide that, even though the market would be more ruthless and slower. Um, I think that's just more fair, so uh, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think a central bank's digital currency would be a very strange world, and I, and I wonder. I would wonder too. Like, you know, the implementation. <clears throat> the implementation is an interesting thought. You know, like. What do they do? Just like give you a, a static amount of digital dollars that uh, that are in exact proportion to what you've got now. You know, is that something that you've that, that, that they do or how, how is that going to work? Um, you know, another thought would be, um, you know, I just saw I just saw a tweet actually this morning um, that the Chinese central bank digital currency is is uh, it's time sensitive. It has an expiration date now. And now, now think about this from, from a federal uh, government standpoint. That incentivizes people to spend their money, put it somewhere else, move it around. And governments, like we talked about previously, I think it was Connor Chep's episode, we talked about the government making more money on taxes on the velocity of money versus you just earning money. They make significantly more on the velocity of money. And so they are incentivized to do that. But 
what it does and, and what people are probably missing out on is that, oh, I can't, I can't accumulate wealth anymore because now this money that if I try to hold it, well, then it, it just expires. That's not good. That's not good. Velocity of money. Highest profit margin on the S&P 500 is Visa. Mm, there you go. Super fun. Easy to funnel money. People don't understand like corporations play within the system and they also funny funnel money, you know, where you don't want it to go. So I guess, uh, so to speak, <clears throat> we're, we're kind of saying that central bank digital currencies will just aid these things that you already really don't like as a consumer because it's not, there's no privacy. There is no um, do what you want with your money. There is no value even in your money. Think about a CBDC. How much value is in that for you? Really none. You're basically saying you're giving all of your time to a central bank we all hate banks. Everybody needs to wake up a little bit. And I well, think people well, Greta, Greta Thunberg, she said, she said, save the bank, save the world. <laughs> Did oh, you see that? That's insane. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it goes to speak that people need to be able to not trust. We already talked about trustless things. They need to be able to trust uh, what is kind of like our next segment here. We're just kind of talking about the network. And so this is every statistics. Everybody probably can't even zoom in and see most of this. But... This is the markets. This is, you know, Bitcoin priced in gold, corporate treasuries, money supply, how much Bitcoin is there. Are you able to zoom in on this at all? If you click Mm. up like on your options or like view uh, at the top of your browser or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, zoom in a little bit more. That's really cool. What? uh, Okay, so this is, what is this deal title? This is Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard. Yeah, I got it because Jack tweeted it one time and I always saved it into my stuff. Um, But basically, you can see everything. you know, you can see pretty much every price, blockchain mm-hmm. height, Bitcoin lightning node capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can even see all the different stock mining pools. Um, so people need to understand that they can kind of trust, you know, what I would believe, you know, kind of believe is the most unstoppable network to ever exist. <coughs> and that's kind of what's so important about Bitcoin is that it's not really about just the 21 million. It's also about the fact that the network has continued to grow through tough market conditions. And you yeah. can really see that through how many computers are terahashing currently on um, Bitcoin. And Beautiful. this actually is structured through the same time frame we've been looking at everything else, even through China kicking it out and all the crazy crap that's happened since COVID. Um, you can see that Bitcoin has actually pretty much almost achieved new all-time highs through for what I would believe probably the most speculative time to ever exist yeah. in money. Um, yeah. So pretty unbelievable. Like that's where the hash rate is at at this point, meaning that the network is growing, meaning that developers on the network can have the confidence to build cool applications now onto Bitcoin, knowing that it will always be there. And that's really, really important. And then I guess the other statistic that I wanted to kind of make sure that we got up here is just how many Bitcoin nodes are out there? And, you know, lightning nodes is a smaller thing. Lightning nodes are where you're probably going to see a lot of more dApps um, and where things will really boom in Bitcoin as a network. But Bitcoin nodes are important as well because they're validators on the blockchain. Um, and the more of them that there are, just like there are more miners, the more decentralized uh, basically the whole thing is. And yeah. this right now is a current distribution of where all of the Bitcoin is in the world and how many there are. And so you can see. Can you zoom in on that map at all? Yeah, you can see. Beautiful. 
you can see where everything is. You yeah, can see where all these are Bitcoin nodes as well. These are this is not mining distribution, and you can argue mining distribution is probably more important, but it is also important to note that node distribution is pretty wide, and nodes are what validate transactions. Nodes also vote on protocol changes. Yeah. Um, nodes are heavily involved, and you can see where money is. You know where the euros are and where dollars are. There's obviously people are getting very interested in Bitcoin, but you can see that all over the world, like there are Bitcoin nodes spreading, which just means that these un formerly unreachable parts of the world, economically speaking, are now reaching, you know, the rest of the world through the internet. And the last thing the internet wasn't able to do was come up with a trustless form of money that everybody can use. Bitcoin is that trustless form of money. It just has to be picked over others. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, that's what the market, I guess, so to speak, that's what the network of Bitcoin looks like right now. And that's, yeah, that's 13 years, no board, no investors, no, like, no anything, man, no nothing. I mean, you know, you can think about Bitcoin miners as investors, but not really, like, they're literally sacrificing everything for a digital currency that they believe in, uh, an energy currency, so to speak, so... Um, those are some of the uh, statistics, brother. I think that Bitcoin is doing just fine. Um, and I think it's important for the podcast to always note that this is a podcast where one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. And it's protected by all of these network statistics that you can see and talk about. And everybody can validate on the Internet anytime they want. And anybody can buy a node and start running it on any computer. Anybody can buy a miner and attempt to mine on the Bitcoin network and contribute to the hash rate. And that is the single most important thing of Bitcoin is free and open to everybody anywhere. Um, boom. Absolutely. You know, it begs the question, Bitcoin or Bitcoin? Bitcoin with a lowercase b or Bitcoin with a capital B? Uh, we know that Bitcoin with a lowercase b is the commodity. It is the coin. It is the money. That's what Bitcoin with a lowercase b is. And Bitcoin with a capital B is Bitcoin the network. That is the investment. Um, Bitcoin, the network is the nodes. It's the mining. Um, it is the, the Bitcoin Twitter. It is um, guys like Griff and I getting together and hanging out and talking about what we think the future could be and how, how best the future could look. Um, that's what Bitcoin with a capital B is. It's the network. Now, speaking of the network, uh, Griff, we've got to make a decision on tweets of the week. So I'm going to pull up a couple of uh, a couple of our options here, what I believe to be uh, some of the best ones here. So you'll have to look at some of these with me um, and tell me what you think here. I think that this one was an honorable mention uh, from Bitcoin Magazine and Bitcoin Mag EDU. Um, says banks are closed mo until Monday. Bitcoin's open all weekend. Uh, that's a great tweet. That's a killer tweet right there. Uh, I think another one that was really good was the one from Pomp um, that shows the all these foreign currencies um, relative to the U.S. dollar right now, we can see that this is, man, this situation is getting very strange. Um, and to Griff's point earlier, I don't know exactly what this means. Uh, I think that there are some people out there that have got some better answers, but, dude, this stuff is getting super weird. Um, My favorite one was the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast just because I resonate with those guys so well. Honestly. Yes, and I was going to say, I think this is probably my vote from the Blue Collar uh, Bitcoin podcast, the more I understand markets, which is still very little, I would put both of us in that category for sure. The more convinced I become that most mistakes are made because people get distracted with overly short time frames. He's referring to time preference here, man. I think time preference is one of my favorite 
freaking uh, topics on Bitcoin. And I think it's safe to go ahead and say uh, that this is uh, the tweet. Here we go. Tweet. Jeez. Tweet of the week. These guys have won. Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. You guys are the tweet of the week with the more I understand about markets, which is still very little, the more convinced I am that most markets or most mistakes are made because people get distracted with overly short time frames. Yeah, I just really like that one because it's we just were out for three weeks and you come back and it's like I haven't paid attention to the news too much. But guys, I, this was my first break on the news for like a while. Not much has changed, especially if you're a Bitcoiner. Really not much has changed. Um, and there are exciting things happening. And uh, I trust a trustless system. And I'm happy with where I am putting my time currently. And after this podcast, I think I'm going to put a little bit more of my time into this network, if you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, that's all i got to say. But it was a good podcast today, fellas. Love it, man. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Hey, come check us out down, down there at, uh, at Twitter at Nick and Griff Show. Come talk to us down there. Uh, you can also find the clips to the show uh, on Twitter. Uh, sometimes we post them on YouTube as well. We'll see about that. Takes a little time, but uh, appreciate you guys listening to these episodes. If you're not watching, you can watch on Spotify and on YouTube, and you can listen on all the other major platforms. So we appreciate you guys listening. Have a great week. Peace.